0: Right to the Red Podcast, episode number 83. Interview with Derek Dabker. Are you struggling trying to figure out how to sell copies of your book, especially the first 100 copies? The Author Marketing Institute is offering access to their latest free video course called Selling the First 100 Copies of Your Book. This is the course everyone should have when they started publishing. It goes through all the basics from starting a mailing list to experimenting with different prices. If you follow the instructions in this course, you should be primed and ready to sell your first 100 copies, if not many more. Sign up for free at www. Institute.com.
1: you are listening to the right to be read podcast and this is your
2: host Annie Alexander
0: Hello everyone and welcome to the right to be Read podcast the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host Annie Alexander and as always I'm truly grateful that you're listening to my show. today I'm going to present you to yet another interview. So today's guest is Derek Depker. Derek is a multiple number one best-selling author with books in the fitness, self-help and publishing niches. Through his courses, which include Kindle Best-Selling Secrets and Hooks for Books, he has trained thousands of authors on how to write, publish and market their books successfully. He's also got a number one best-selling book called Why Authors Fail that revealed the 17 mistakes that stop self-published authors from achieving success and shows how you can fix them i'm sure that the interview will be very useful so stay tuned and let's start hello derek welcome to the right to be Rights podcast i'm really happy to have you over and um, thanks for taking the time and uh, being here
1: yes my pleasure annie i'm happy to to be here and share anything that i can with you and your listeners
0: great so let's start uh, from the beginning let's let's see how did you end up um, writing and self-publishing and you know how did you get involved in all that because i i presume it wasn't something you you've been doing all the time right
1: that's correct i definitely didn't set out actually to be a writer i got my degree in music and so i'm a, a guitar player a music composer and i moved out to los angeles a few years back, to pursue my dreams, basically becoming a rock star, and in that process, I uh, was looking for a way to basically support myself and in my what I love doing, where I didn't have to work. Uh, you know, I was working as a valet Parker, uh, barely making enough money to pay my bills, and I wanted something. Uh, the entrepreneurial spirit kicked in where I could. Uh, basically work from home, do something that I was passionate about, and support my music. And that got me into the whole world of online business, and I I discovered blogging. And uh, that was, I guess, my first entry into writing was blogging, this idea that I could take something that I had knowledge about, which was also health and fitness, another area that I was passionate about, and I could share that with people and possibly get paid for it. So, I got into blogging. I got into making YouTube videos. I tried all these different little, you know, methods to try to make some income uh, and and do something that I enjoyed for a living, and none of them really took off. So, uh, at one point, I decided I'm going to create an information product and I put together a 350 page fitness guide, and I could barely sell that to my family and friends. So, that was my first, uh, you know, self publishing failure. And then I, I discovered Kindle uh, back in 2012, and I decided to take this stuff that I was doing on my blog and get into self-publishing. And so I published a couple Kindle books. None of them really took off, and I was going through a lot of books and courses. Finally, I decided that I was going to do things a little bit different. I I, uh, learned some stuff from a mentor of mine who actually wasn't into self-publishing. He just taught me a few concepts, and I combined that with what I was doing with the self-publishing, and ended up having a number one uh, best-selling book in weight loss, uh, and, and that's in the paid Kindle store. So I sold, you know, hundreds to thousands, thousands of books in uh, a couple weeks, and that was my big breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So after I made after I made that breakthrough, I decided, you know, I learned some things that uh, very few people were talking about in the world of self-publishing, and that's when I dedicated myself to not only publishing my own books, but sharing my insights with other authors that wanted to make their own breakthrough.
0: Okay, I see. And did you, I mean, are you continuing pursuing your dream of becoming a rock star?
1: <laughs> uh, I would say that's always going to be there in the back of my mind. Uh, what's What's happened with that, actually, is I I've, I've fell, uh, fell in love so much with writing And publishing and sharing my message that this has kind of taken over uh, my life. And of course, music is still a a big part of it. But I think a lot of what I learned actually with music uh, and music composition and uh, practicing that has actually carried over and taught me a lot of skills, interestingly enough, in the world of writing and publishing.
0: Oh interesting, so it's um we can say that you know writing was not your passion, but another passion of yours led you to this new one
1: yeah, and the, the funny thing is, you know, back in college, I was told I was a good writer, and I, I think I always had kind of that seed in me, but I didn't see it because I just thought I was only a musician and once I uh explored writing, like I said originally through blogging, I didn't think of myself as a writer, but once. I made that identity shift that, oh, I am a writer. I, I can do this. I have skill here. Then I developed that and um, it took off both in terms of my skill and in terms of something that I was uh, happy to do to now where I'm, um, I love writing it. Sometimes it does feel like work, but a lot of times it is, you know, just like music is something that I enjoy doing.
0: Mm, I see. So, and the interesting thing is that you mentioned that, um, you wrote several books and you self-published several books which didn't do well. And then, you know, the one which did wasn't one of your first books. So can you tell us what kept you continuing trying? Because there are many people I know who kind of give up just after their first book when they see that it doesn't become a best seller and doesn't do well. So what was your motivation? What kept you moving forward?
1: That's a great question. And Uh, I'll say this. There was a point where I felt like uh, quitting probably right before that big breakthrough book. So I think that's a pretty normal feeling where it's like, am I am I wasting my time with this? Should I keep going? Uh, But before I get into that, I'll just backtrack and say that the first book. And this is, I think, a great thing, sort of a, a lesson for people was I approached my first book that I published on Kindle sort of as an experiment. So I didn't go into it with the expectations that it had to be, uh, you know, sell a lot of copies or be successful. I just wanted to go through that process and learn what it was like. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel that was an important first step because a lot of times the thought of self publishing a book can seem intimidating or overwhelming. There's so much that goes into it. So I had to just go, let me get comfortable with the process first because I can always go back and update the book later. That's the great thing about self-publishing nowadays. I can update the book later. I can work on the marketing stuff later. Let me just learn how this works. So that's what I did with my first book. And um, it was content that I had already created, so I didn't have to necessarily come up with something new. But then my second book uh, was a book that was exclusive for KDP, and that's the one I had a little bit higher hopes for. And What happened with that book was I actually ended up running a KDP promotion and making maybe $70 to $100 on that, which basically kind of broke me even uh, by the time you count the expenses I put into it, but that showed me there was potential. It was like there was just enough potential. I could see that, yeah, I can make some money. I can get some readers that I never had before, but it wasn't such high hopes that I thought this is going to let me quit my job and I can just go into self publishing. So I was kind of at this this middle ground, the fork in the road where I go, I see some potential with the self publishing, but it's not huge. And what kept me going was I had this big why that I was going to make something work and it didn't matter what it was. And so going into my third book, <clears throat> I I think what really made the difference was I tailored back my expectations in terms of sales. And I said, I'm just going to create a book that's really valuable for people. I'm going to create the book that I wish I had years ago. And whether it succeeds or not, I want to just put something out there that I'm really proud of. At the same time, I'm going to do everything I can to market this thing using the skills and resources that I had. So this all kind of comes back to an inner mindset thing that – what kept me going was I was doing it maybe for a bigger reason than myself. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. doing it to to serve I guess a greater purpose or fulfill a mission that I had of let's say leaving behind a book, uh, you know, if I were to leave the world at least I left this book behind uh, while at the same time saying I'm going to take everything that I've learned and put it into this book and let's just see what happens kind of going back to that experimental uh, mindset again without an expectation. So. That kept, me, uh, that kept me pushing through it. But if that book didn't succeed, like I said, you know, before I published that, I wasn't sure if I was going to continue in the self-publishing world. You know, I might have mm-hmm. just jumped, jumped to something else. So I think um, looking back, it all makes sense of having that, that perseverance that right when everything seems lost, that's usually the moment before your, your big breakthrough
0: yeah that's what people say and i'm always wondering how to find out whether that's the moment or you're just doing something wrong and you will keep on failing all the time (laughs) so it's very it's very difficult to distinguish which which one is it actually you know you you know it after the fact but it's difficult to find out while you are there yeah and
1: that's what that's why I would say going into it, you know, with that third book, I wasn't doing exactly what I did with my other books, you know, because if, if the whole definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results each time with the book, I was trying uh, new strategies. So although I was continuing self publishing, although I was continuing with the model of using Amazon Kindle, I wasn't just. Um, Doing what all the books told me to do in the training courses, I said, let me do something a little different. Let me try some of my own ideas in here. And that actually ended up uh, making a big difference. So I was willing to take some risk and go, okay, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I'm just going to try it and see what happens. And having that willingness to just try things and fail at them, I think is huge.
0: Yeah, exactly. So what do you think was the one thing that kind of, you know, had the biggest impact in the success of that book?
1: It's hard to say um, one one thing, if I had to give the big picture idea, it's that um, there's some missing links in the world of self-publishing that all kind of came together. So it's not enough to focus on any one particular aspect of a book. Let's say a good book title is important, at least especially for nonfiction. That's important, um, but it's not everything. A good marketing campaign is important, but it's not everything. It's seeing how the whole thing fits together, start to finish, and making sure I was solid uh, every step of the way. So <clears throat> that's sort of the broad answer in that before – I might have just been thinking, well, what keywords do I use to rank for? And if I can just rank for the right keywords, then I'll be successful. Or if I could just do, if I can just get advertised on this one website, then I'll be successful. And it went from focusing on these individual details and saying, how does everything fit together and what's it really like to be a book buyer? So I guess one big point would be put yourself in the shoes of a book buyer. Imagine yourself going through their experience, through the experience of buying your book and saying, if I were to see my book, would I want to buy it? If I had never heard of me and I came across my book, would I want to buy it? And I really embodied what my target reader would be going through and I focused heavily on making it captivating to them so I knew if they saw the title, they'd be Intrigued. I knew if they read the description, they'd be intrigued and want to learn more. I knew if they read the book, they would get tremendous value out of it. So I became very reader focused. And the question I ask is it's not how can I get, you know, how can I get value? How can I get book sales? How can I get money? It became how can I give value? How can I give uh, a reader a great experience? And by focusing on what I was giving people, that's when I got something in return.
0: Okay, I see. And do you did you do anything specific for the book launch itself?
1: For the book launch, there's a couple strategies uh, that I employed. So one thing I say is that I don't see um, my competition as just competition. I see my competition as potential companions. So what I did was I networked, and this started months ahead of time of writing the book. Uh, This was a a fitness book, and since then I've expanded into other niches. But uh, this fitness book, I networked with other fitness bloggers, so basically people that are in my niche, uh, other fitness authors, and I had formed a relationship with them, and I gave them an opportunity to contribute a bonus chapter in my book uh, link back to their website. Many of these people I had already linked to their website and promoted their work in my book before I ever reached out to them. So when I reached out to them, I was saying, Hey, I'm already promoting your stuff. If you want an opportunity to get a, a little bit more exposure to the people who read this book, uh, there's an opportunity to share something in the book. And by giving other experts and people in the niche that had a bigger following than I did, cause I was just starting out, Uh, What happened then naturally was once my book launched and was on a promotion, it started with a five-day free promo into a paid, Uh, when it went on the free promo, a lot of those people then naturally shared my book with their readers. Uh, So by giving them an opportunity first, they then kind of returned the favor and shared my book and helped it get into more people's hands. So that was one strategy that I used, uh, basically turning competitors into companions. And then another thing, uh, like I said, I did a KDP uh, free promotion. So, this isn't relevant to everyone, but for you know, to give a little context, KDP is Kindle's exclusive um, publishing uh, platform where you can be on Kindle and then enrolled in KDP and offer your book for free. So, I did that for five days, and back in 2012, that was a more effective strategy. And I just promoted it on every website I could, I shared it with family and friends all over Facebook. And like I said, the big thing was just having other people in the fitness community share my book with their readers because I'd already offered them something of value. That helped uh, the word get out. And then once that built momentum, uh, Amazon largely takes over after a certain point once they see a book doing well. And that's what really just kind of skyrocketed uh, to the top of the charts.
0: And when was that point? Like approximately how many sales did you achieve before Amazon kind of hopped in and started helping you out?
1: Well, it was on its free promotion. I believe the first three days was a lot of my work um, to get the get the ball rolling. And then it hit the top 100 in the free store by about day three or four. Mm-hmm. And after that, I just noticed the downloads uh skyrocket the free downloads and it surpassed 10,000 free downloads uh by the the fifth day and then after that once it went on sale it really went um you know all hundreds of sales started coming in the next few days all on its own now once again I'll just kind of reiterate this was back in 2012 it was this is a more effective strategy back then it's not the same strategy I use now but all the principles uh remain the same of of hitting it hard and then Amazon sort of takes over, whether that's not a 99 cent promotion or or anything else like that.
0: Okay, I see. And how did you deal with the reviews? Did you get those uh, in the very beginning from people you knew and from the fitness bloggers or they came organically later on?
1: Most of them came organically. Um, By that point, because I had released a couple books beforehand, I had a couple people not a lot, maybe three or something like that off the top of my head, um, who kind of became regular reviewers of my, my books who had reviewed at least, uh, my previous book. So I reached back out to the people who had reviewed uh, my previous book and let them know, uh, that I had this new book and I, uh, let them know when it was free so they could check it out. And I got a couple reviews like that. Uh, Facebook groups, which were less saturated at that point in time. Um, a number of people in those groups uh, left reviews. Family and friends have um, never been a, a big source of reviews. First of all, they're not always the most objective reviews, uh, so I just I don't care for that as much. And secondly, it's just hard to get them for some reason to leave reviews. So it was actually <laughs> mostly. Uh, mostly organic and mostly from Facebook groups when I started out and interestingly enough, I only had six reviews and a one of those six reviews was a one star when it hit number one in its category and by that point, a lot more reviews started rolling in uh, but it didn't take a whole lot of reviews. I only needed uh, those few uh, couple handfuls of reviews when I first launched on its free promo uh, to start building that momentum.
0: Okay, I see. And you mentioned that it was a fitness book, right? That's correct. Okay, so uh, for me, I mean, these kind of books are quite challenging to write because somehow, I mean, fitness is something I imagine being quite visual. So, you know, I mean, I'm more inclined to to watch some videos of exercises and things like that rather than reading a nonfiction book about fitness. So how did you make it... Um, quite exciting to read and understandable enough to to implement later on
1: so that's a such a great point to bring up uh, with this book and I'll just I'll give the title because that's important 50 fitness tips you wish you knew and in the book I actually don't focus too much on the exercises and things like that it's more practical um, day-to-day tips that you can that you can use so for instance how do you make, Healthy meals and only you know five minutes that's gonna last you a few days or something like that. How do you uh, get yourself motivated you know when you don't feel like working out or something like that? So it was a lot more mindset diet supplement strategies, things that wouldn't require as much of a visual component and the positioning of it was kind of cool things that I had learned over ten years that you might not be hearing elsewhere or new distinctions or new twists on things that you might have already heard. And the point there, whether you're a fiction or nonfiction author or in fitness or not, was that first of all, with the title, 50 Fitness Tips You Wish You Knew, I made sure it was attention grabbing and captivating because if I just called it 50 Fitness Tips or 50 Fitness Tips to get in shape, it wouldn't have that intrigue,
2: Mm -hmm. that
1: the You Wish You Knew gives it. And I continue that theme all throughout the book in the description of getting people curious about what's in the, in the book and just cool things to know that they might not already know. And that generates that curiosity, um, which is actually even more relevant, let's say in a fiction book, where you leave someone on kind of a cliffhanger and they just want to read more and more of the book. It's that same concept. And it's so important to do that Especially in a competitive area like fitness, because you have to stand apart. Especially nowadays, there's so much, um, so many books out there, published, self-published books, that you basically have to go, what's going to make my book stand apart from all the competition?
0: Okay, guys, let's take a very short advertising break and listen to what our sponsors got to say, and later on, get back and continue with the questions.
2: Did you know there's a new place to sell your audiobooks besides ACX and Audible? There is, Buck Books. Authors, I know most of your audiobooks are sold exclusively through ACX, but on any new books you have, a one-day sales pit stop at Buck Books is a no-brainer. When your narrator finishes your audiobook, send us the files, and we will feature it to tens of thousands of our active subscribers and growing for one day only. You get some great sales, and the very next day, you can upload it exclusively to ACX. This is a great way to help offset the cost of production on a new audiobook and start building a strong relationship with the world's hottest free book promotion service Buck Books Not sure how to go about getting your book made into an audiobook or having trouble deciding if audiobook production is right for you? With an audiobook team of 10 and the lowest production cost around Buck Books is ready to help you finally add this lucrative format to your author portfolio and sell it too For more information, send an email to john at buckbooks.net That's john, j-o-h-n At buckbooks.net.
0: Okay, we're back now, so let's continue with the following question. You mentioned in the very beginning um, that before getting into self-publishing, you also tried many different things to make money online. So I was just wondering when this book took off, did you have a follow-up plans and and end up with any uh, additional products that this book led to or not?
1: Yeah, so because of my experience in the online world, I knew right away I wanted to create a product for authors. Um, So to give a time frame, this was December of 2012 when this book uh, took off, and as soon as it it took off, I was like, "I, I have to share this with other authors because I knew personally what it was like to purchase books and trainings on Kindle Publishing and go through them and try them, and they just they were good products and trainings but they they didn't really have that breakthrough, you know, didn't deliver the breakthrough success for me and i knew okay well people aren't really talking about some of these other things that i did or they're not focusing on it. They're getting people focused on the wrong things when it comes to being successful in self-publishing, you know, the the things that only make 5% of a difference versus the things that make 80 to 90% of the difference. So i wanted to create the product uh, for authors that I wish I had. So that was my first information product uh, was Kindle Bestseller Secrets in 2013. And since then, uh, a big uh, portion of my business has been uh, releasing different products for uh, self-published authors and trainings uh, to help them as I continue to publish my own books and experiment and try things and see what's successful from actually you know being in the trenches and doing it and then turning around and continuing to share with authors uh, what's working because it usually does change uh, through the years. Uh, the principles are always kind of the same, but particular strategies and things uh, sometimes uh, switch up, you know, as Amazon mm-hmm.
0: updates its system and whatnot. Yeah, I see. So, do you mind sharing those uh, few things which many people don't pay attention to, but which make a huge difference?
1: Absolutely. So, I already touched on one, uh, and I'll, I'll just reiterate. The whole importance of grabbing attention, and this is one of the biggest mistakes I see authors make, and it might be a little more relevant for a nonfiction, but regardless, first of all, the book cover uh, has to be attention-grabbing, and it, it needs to look good, and so I'm not a, a graphic designer, so at this point, I just go with a, a great designer that I know, and I, I leave it up to them but it's an investment. It's not an expense because if, you, if an author spends $50 to get a good cover made, it can lead to a lot more than $50 in book sales. But if they spend $5 on a cover or they try to do it themselves and it's not a good cover, then they're actually potentially losing out on so many sales or their book might not ever even sell that well at all and It's like they did all that work to create the book, to format it, to get it uploaded, to try to share it with people and it's not selling simply because of something as simple as the book cover. Now I think a lot of authors nowadays um, or people are savvy enough to realize the importance of a cover but I still continuously see people using poor covers and it's just not going to work especially with so many uh, books out there. So. A cover that looks professional and that grabs the attention of the target reader. And the title and the description need to be attention grabbing because imagine if you walk into a bookstore and you're looking, you know, as, as a reader at a bookshelf where you see 50 or 100 books on a topic in a genre. You're probably not going to stop and check out every single one of those books. You're going to skim and see which one catches your attention. And that's what readers are doing. Uh, it doesn't matter the platform, whether it's Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anything else, they're going to be skimming. And if there's nothing about your book that makes a person stop in, and want to check it out, then you're never going to sell that book. It doesn't matter how good it is. So that's the first step is uh, grabbing the attention. And the second thing uh, for self-published authors, and this is where it starts, is understanding who that target reader is. So there's a lot of stuff that can go into this, but I spend as much time getting to learn uh, who my target reader is, how I'm going to position my book, how I'm going to speak to them, what I'm going to call my book, as much, as much time doing that and researching other books as I do actually writing the book itself. Mm-hmm. So it's like um, the example would be like sharpening an axe before you cut down a tree. Uh, There's like the old Abraham Lincoln uh, thing that will spend, let's say, four hours sharpening an axe and two hours cutting down the tree. And that's what that whole research phase is. So that could be, uh, in terms of practical strategies, uh, looking at the other books in your genre and studying what other successful authors are doing and reading the feedback that they get in terms of the reviews. What are the good reviews saying? What do people like about this book? And particularly, what are the bad reviews saying? Or What are the critical reviews saying? What do people wish this book had but it doesn't have? Can I include that in my book? Getting to know that. For me, I um, surveyed people and I talked to them and I talked to family and friends and I figured out what are your struggles with this? If it's for fitness, I talk to people about their fitness struggles. I learn what kind of things they say that they are challenged. If they say, I can't get motivated, then I talk about getting motivated in my book. If they say, I don't have enough time, I'm too busy, then I talk about how to get in shape when you're too busy. If I'm talking to authors and they're saying, I don't know how to sustain my sales or I don't know how to launch a book or I have trouble with formatting or whatever it is, you know, as I talk to my target audience – I learn what their needs are, I learn what their problems are, and that helps me craft a book and deliver something that they want. And same thing with, you know, fiction books, learning what your target readers want and what they're not getting helps me position that. So authors need to spend uh, a significant amount of time and really put their heart and soul into understanding their readers. Uh, and part of that might come after they publish their first book or two, you know, you might have to just put something out there Mm -hmm. and then get the feedback, which is fine, but it's really taking the time, uh, to get that feedback. And then finally, you know, I'll just touch upon, uh, one other point and there's, there's so much stuff, but that would be, um, getting guidance on this because, uh, through things like your podcast, that's what makes this podcast so valuable. Uh, through other books and and resources, learn from people who are already successful because it can seem overwhelming, but if someone else has figured out the process, it's so much easier to go to a coach or to a trainer or through someone who can say, this is exactly what the process is A to Z and pinpoint what you need at any point in time instead of trying to put all these pieces together yourself because inevitably you're probably going to screw something up you know, until you get to get good at it. So the shortcut to success is seeking out a mentor or coaches and and resources that can guide you through uh, the entire process.
0: Yeah. And I think that saving time is very crucial because you can use that time writing your next book and it's, you know, writing the next book and putting more stuff out is, is quite important as well.
1: Yeah, especially if, uh, when authors are passionate about the writing like I am, where I would rather – I do have a, a certain love for marketing, but I'd rather just put my attention on the writing of a book. And uh, even now at this point, I have started to outsource the marketing efforts to other people. And that's why I say talking about the book cover. I see a lot of authors trying to create their own book covers and they're not designers. It's like let the people who are good at that do that and save your time to focus on Writing great books, improving your writing skills, writing more books, while at the same time recognizing these marketing components and other things are important. It just doesn't mean you have to do it yourself. You can hire someone else or you can get someone to coach you and tell you exactly what you need to do um uh, so you know it's just like anything else a person needs their car fixed or if they have a uh, an injury on their body. I'm not going to try to fix it myself. I'm going to go to a mechanic or I'm going to go to a doctor or I'm going to go to some specialist and let them deal with it while I focus on what I'm good at.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that kind of leads us to what I wanted to ask you. Um we end up seeing the same mistakes that newbie writers make over and over again and uh, I mean I'm one of those who who made almost all of them at some point. So what are like the general most frequently made mistakes by writers that they should be aware of and, and avoid those straight away?
1: So in, in addition to um, some of the other points I touched on, one thing I'll, I'll point out that I think is important and isn't really mentioned a lot, and that is the mental aspect, the mindset that authors have going into it. So I said, it would be a mistake to go in and and think, how can I just get value? Like I mentioned before, it starts, how can I give value? Another mistake would be a perfectionist uh, type of tendencies, thinking I have to have this perfect book. It's never good enough, right? Mm -hmm. And so authors, sometimes will be working on their book for years. And I say, you know, it's okay to um, strive for perfection, but ultimately, perfectionism is a selfish quality because the readers don't really care if it's perfect or not, and in truth, it will never be perfect. So, as the author who thinks something has to be perfect, they think they're doing it. Maybe they give themselves the the rationale: well, it's got to be perfect so the readers enjoy it. In truth, they don't care. They just want. Entertainment, or they just want value or insights or knowledge or something, they don't really care if it's the most perfect delivery or not. And the funny thing is, you can't get a perfect book until you make imperfect attempts and learn from them. So that's why it's so valuable to have this understanding that it's not going to be perfect. I can just put it out there. I'm, you know, gonna have some mistakes to learn from, but that's fine. That's how I move closer towards perfection is through making those mistakes through having those imperfect attempts so getting over um perfectionism and one thing that i say is act then analyze and i'm a very analytical person so i tend to analyze first i got to figure out everything ahead of time and plan and get all my ducks in a row and make sure everything's perfect before i start executing stuff and while it's important to plan by all means a lot of times we have to act first and then go back and analyze what we just did and what the response to that was and keep moving forward. So there should always be this forward momentum going uh, with, with an author in the process. And if they ever get stuck and they're not moving forward, it's probably because they're trying to analyze something instead of just taking action and worrying about you know analyzing it later. So that's uh, a big one. Especially when it comes to just general productivity. And then uh, another thing is just letting themselves get uh, distracted by stuff. So this is almost uh, the productivity side of things where if I'm writing a book, it's very easy to stop in the middle and start surfing Facebook or get caught up with all these other things. Another big thing is if I'm working on outlining my book or in the early stages, I might get distracted with, thinking about, well, what am I going to do for my book cover? What am I going to do for the marketing campaign? Uh-huh. What am I going to do for all this stuff that's not even till three months down the road? And a great thing that I do in that situation is I'll just have a notepad. So if I come across a resource that might be helpful for, you know, something I'm going to be doing in the next month or two, I'll write it down. I'll make a note of it. But then I, I put it aside and I get refocused on whatever I'm doing right now. So I'm not going to worry about how to do Facebook ads to market my book if I haven't even come up with my book title yet, right? So Mm -hmm. I'll make a note, I'll set it aside, but I'll get refocused. So that distraction with either irrelevant things or things that are relevant, are important, just not important right now, have to learn how to manage those things uh, to keep moving forward. And then uh, finally, I'll just give maybe one more – mistake. And that is when authors don't follow proven formulas. And there's something that I say uh, that there's kind of two extremes of a mistake an author can make. They can either try to imitate exactly what's been done before and just do a copy and paste uh, type of thing Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm just going to kind of do a rip off book of something else that's successful. And I don't think that's what your listeners would do, but some more entrepreneurial types who just want to make money, they might say, let me just copy what's been successful and kind of rehash that. Well, the problem with that approach is a lot of times readers can see through it, it's not adding any unique value and it just kind of blends in. It looks like everything else that's out there. The other extreme is actually getting too creative. And this is something that becomes a little controversial, uh, but I, I think it will make sense to everyone. And that when an author wants to do something that's completely different or never been done before, and this can go so far that the readers actually don't understand it. So to give a a practical example, when an author comes up with a book title, that doesn't make any sense to anyone except for the author. And I've seen that happen. I wish I had an example off the top of my head. Uh, But it's so unique and it's so creative that you actually lose people with mm-hmm. it. And, and the ultimate extreme of this would be like if an author says, I'm just going to make up my own language to write the book in. You know, clearly it's too creative. There is such a thing as being too creative and that circumstance where you start to lose people and it feeds the author's ego because they feel super clever, but it doesn't actually help anyone. So both of these extremes, just copying what's been done before or doing something completely brand new, but that might lose people, um, you can – those can each lead to failure. And there's a healthy balance which is somewhat subjective as to where that's at where you're both imitate and create which leads to innovation. So innovation is where you model what's been done before but you add your own twist to it. So every uh, story for instance, um, every major story – Uh, With maybe only a few exceptions that you see in Hollywood movies or in in fiction books, you know, people that are familiar uh, with this know that they follow the hero's journey, right? That's Mm -hmm. a formula. So all of them are modeling that formula, but there's endless creativity of how to apply that formula. And in nonfiction books, there's several different formulas that you can use that have been proven to work in models. For instance, uh, you know, books that are a collection of tips or tricks or strategies or whatever. That's one formula. It's been proven to work, but there's a lot of creativity that you have within that. So it's learning how to model what works, but still make it unique. And that's where you get this sort of yin-yang balance between um, forces where it takes some effort to find that balance. It's a balancing act and it takes time and it takes effort. And I believe an author has to learn to appreciate that it's not going to be all one or the other, you're going to you're going to have to find that middle ground, which is unique for every single author. So striving to find that is huge. And uh, the mistake there would be just going one extreme or the other.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. And how do you engage your readers? Are Are you connected to them directly? Do you have an email list? Or you know, wh- what's your interaction with your readers like?
1: I'm a big believer in an email list. So I believe every author should have their email list and some sort of incentive to get readers on that email list. Like that is a huge priority. If there's anything to put off getting a book launched, you know, it should only take an afternoon to do this. But uh, that would be a justification is making sure that there's an email list set up because There's a number of reasons for this just from a practical standpoint. Those are your future readers. If you ever launch a new book, you want to have a way of letting your uh, readers of a previous book know about the new book. Uh, But in terms of interaction, it's also very important because uh, I can connect with them. I can uh, run surveys with them. That's how I get that feedback and get to know them. I can offer them – you know, special special deals for future products of mine, future books. I can just share value. Say, hey, here's a great blog post that I found, and share that with them. That creates a connection. Uh, so I love the email list uh, above all else. But I also do uh, connect with a, a good portion of people on uh, Facebook. And so recently, I've just started to include uh, my Facebook uh, link to my personal page. Actually, not just my uh, my authorship page. Uh, to people to connect with my readers there. And it's not my preferred method, but that's probably my second favorite uh, thing. So the email list and Facebook and having that regular interaction is, I believe, very important uh, for any type of author.
0: Okay, I see. And I guess the last question is, if you went back and started from the very beginning, what would you do differently?
1: The thing that I would do and I'm actually – I don't know if it's so different um, because I was doing this but I would put a lot more focus on it now that I see the value in it and that would be the relationships, forming relationships with other authors, with other authorities uh, and people like that because like I mentioned, it was the connections that I had in my relationships that got me a lot of free promotion and continues to – for my different books, and that's not by going in and talking to these people and being like, "Hey, go promote my book for me." You know, I'm not asking for something; I'm offering them value. You know, and and sharing their work. But those relationships have done more to grow my business than um, than probably anything else. And uh, I don't want to say it's not important to also have the different skills and stuff, but that's the biggest, uh, one of the biggest assets that's more valuable than time or money uh, is having. Sort of your team, people on your team that are supporting you, whether those are your readers who promote your book and leave it great reviews, whether it's other authors, whether it's other uh, bloggers or people who write about your types of, your niche of book, you know, all of that stuff is so important. And because it takes time to build relationships and cultivate genuine relationships, it's not just based off of, you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, but real friendships. Mm-hmm. That's where I would I would start focusing uh, first on on just getting myself out there and connecting with like minded people.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm also a true believer of relationships, because I think that they are like, very, very important in in any aspect I mean not only for writing and being an author, but in general, I think they can lead you to places you never imagined you could be so um, it it 's always nice to have genuine and honest relationships with, with people. I totally agree with you. Okay, well, um, thank you very much for coming over. Um, just let, let us know where and how we can find you. And I'm sure that some of the listeners might also need your help in terms of the uh, products that you had for the newbie writers. You mentioned that you have several things, you're working with them. So can you talk about that before we leave?
1: So my website is ebook. Bestsellersecrets.com, and uh, that's where you can get a, a free training actually on how I form those relationships. Uh, and once you, uh, you go there, that's the um, opt in for my newsletter where I share some more things. And then you can reach out to me uh, either just replying to my newsletter or my, my email is info at ebookbestsellersecrets.com. And I can share, uh, for anyone that's interested, uh, you know, a specific uh, type of training that might be most relevant to whatever they're working on. Uh, you can also connect with me on uh, Facebook, and that's just going to be facebook.com forward slash my name, which is Derek Depker, D-E-R-E-K, D-O-E-P-K-E-R, uh, and I'm sure there will be some sort of link to that. So. Uh, Those are probably the two best ways to reach me is through email and my Facebook. And uh, getting on the newsletter uh, will get you started on some of the different things that I have to offer at ebookbestsellersecrets.com.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for coming over. I'm sure that the interview was quite valuable and the listeners definitely learned something new there. And um, I wish you success with all your upcoming books as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Annie. And thank you for having me on. And I wish you and your listeners all the best.
0: Thank you. Well, it seems like that was it for today. Hopefully, you enjoyed the interview. And hopefully, you also got a minute to dedicate to me and leave a review on itunes for the podcast because it's really really important and it really helps to enlarge the audience and make the podcast more successful so more people will get inspired and encouraged by the interviews well i hope your writing is moving forward i hope that you're getting better at what you do and i truly hope that very soon i'll be able to read one of your new books take care and have a nice day Are you struggling trying to figure out how to sell copies of your book? Especially the first 100 copies? The Author Marketing Institute is offering access to their latest free video course called Selling the First 100 Copies of Your Book. This is the course everyone should have when they started publishing. It goes through all the basics from starting a mailing list to experimenting with different prices. If you follow the instructions in this course, you should be primed and ready to sell your first 100 copies, if not many more. Sign up for free at com.